Article title, The Real Poltergeist, Ghost Story Behind the 1980s Movie. As read by myself, Ghost Guide Daniel. In 1958, a man named James Herman got a call from his wife. That simple phone call started a series of events around the family's uninvited guest, also known as a poltergeist. This experience in Long Island, New York inspired the famous 1980s movie, propelling the term to infamous heights. Title, The Movie. It's one of the most famous and spookiest movies of all time, surrounding a random family focused on their adorably scared little daughter, Carol Ann. Poltergeist released in 1982, an American supernatural film directed by Toby Hooper and written by Steven Spielberg, based on a family who lived inside a house with a malicious spirit. Warning, the following includes spoilers, so watch the movie. Featuring some of the creepiest scenes of any horror, playing off the imagery, the power of evil spirits attacking this innocent family. Now, everybody remembers things about it, like the clown doll, the misty hands and figures coming out of the walls and television, and who can forget the skeletons in the pool? By the way, they were real. All leading up to the family just giving up and leaving their home. This movie has many over-the-top moments which will never happen in truly haunted houses. However, the realism is there. Made me think, is this based on a true story? Guess what? It is. Title, The Poltergeist Curse Before diving into the story, I much must mention the curse. Some hint bad things happen to cast and crew because the story was based on a true life experience. And after reading the story below, you'll disagree. Title, Cursed Events First, we have Heather O'Rourke. She played little Carol Ann. Uh, She died sadly from cardiac arrest only five years after the movie was released. She was only 11 years old. We also have Dominique Dunn, who played the older sister, Dana. She was murdered by her ex-boyfriend, John Sweeney, in the same year the movie was released. We also have Julian Beck. You might remember him as the evil preacher from Poltergeist 2. In 1985, he took his own life after being diagnosed with stomach cancer. Strangely, it happened only one year before the movie was released. And finally, we have Will Sampson, who paid Taylor, who was the native shaman. He died during surgery in 1987. Now, during the filming, it's rumored he performed a real exorcism. Uh, This was his way to calm the tense cast and crew. Subtitle, The Skeletons Were Real. Now, another possible origin for this supposed, quote, curse, real skeletons in the pool. In an interview with the assistant prop master, Bruce Casson, they asked him about the skeleton rumor, and he basically admitted the skeletons were real, saying there was no good fake ones at the time. Now, as a side note, I must give it up for the actress, Jo Beth Williams, who played the mom, Diane. It takes a real rock star 
to go into a swimming pool with a bunch of real skeletons. Or maybe in the end the horrible events are just coincidence. At least, even skeptics must agree though, it's all very strange. Title. The Real Ghost Story. It starts on February 3rd, 1958, with a man named James Herman who lived in Long Island, New York. Yes, same regions as Amityville. Decades before Ronnie DeFeo murdered his family, James got a telephone call at work from his wife, Lucille. She said their teenage children, Jimmy and Lucy, heard popping noises around the house. When James got home, his family got up the courage to explore. They found uncapped bottles in different rooms, one of them from a small vial of holy water. No information was given on the bottles. Now, if I were to interview this family, my question would be, were the bottles already in the house? Since it wasn't mentioned, my assumption is, yes, they were. Subtitle. Skeptics Can't Deny. Herman was a skeptic told his family to stay calm and not tell anyone about the caps. Fear of gossip in the 1950s, long before today where everything must be shared on social media, back then things were kept quiet from nosy neighbors. Herman said, quote, was probably some rebellious teenagers, not a poltergeist, uh, broke in and popped some bottles to scare us, end quote. It's a ridiculous thought, the rationality of a scared mind. Subtitle. They're back. Then, five days later, the popping bottles returned. And again the next day, the whole time Herman told his family to stay silent. And not long after, James witnessed the bottles, they moved by themselves. While looking in the mirror, he saw movement, looked down at the bottle, and saw it slide across a countertop. Now he was scared too. So what did James do? Called the police. I really wish that 911 call was available for us to listen to. Subtitle, Popping for the Police. The officers arrived. You may think, oh, it's just the, like the mechanic. You know, the minute you arrive, everything's fine again. Nope. The bottles popped when the cops were inside the house, led to a full investigation with experts being brought in. Tests done to rule out radio transmissions and electronic disturbances. Didn't work. This led to February 17, 1958, when the priest arrived. Subtitle. There's a leak. Someone leaked the event. Maybe a cop or the priest. They shared the story with reporters. Articles were written on the ghostly phenomenon, including one in the popular Life magazine titled House of Flying Objects. The fame didn't embarrass the poltergeist. It motivated it. And activity continued. Title. Enter Dr. Rhine. Then Dr. J.B. Rhine found out. He was the director of Duke University's parapsychology laboratory. Yes, Duke had a parapsychology lab in the 1950s. Is anyone else shocked by this fact? My assumption for the lab, it was related to the popular spiritualist movements of the day. Back then, ghosts were a part of American life, almost as much as they are today. Now, Ryan approached the Herman family with a new angle on the haunting. He believed it was the teenage kids, Jimmy and Lucy. 
A thought more common today is the chaotic energies of puberty and such. Ryan thought that energy was creating a poltergeist in the house. He brought colleagues in to study it, along with family interviews and recorded accounts of the mysterious occurrence, just like in the movie. But the movie was ghost-based. Real life was people-based. Subtitle. And no climatic ending. In real life, the arrival of experts was enough to stop the ghosts. Makes sense when you think about it. The kids now subject to an investigation? Naturally, they'd feel shame. Tension leading to the end of chaotic energies. Title. In the end. All in all, there were 70 reports of unusual activity from February 3rd to March 10th in 1958 along with the first movie about 24 years after the event. And as a final parallel with real life, in the end, the family moved away. This has been an article read, The Real Poltergeist, Ghost Story Behind the 80s Movie, as read by myself, Ghost Guide Daniel.